Okay. I mean, I've I've been trying to think of an opening bit. For I us. mean, do, do we want to address the theme park in the room? Are we really going to be able to talk about anything else? Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I just I just want us to try to make it through an opening bit before we just dive. This is going to be so difficult to talk about and not because it was a bad episode it was a really really good episode and i think that only adds to the difficulty that we face yeah that's a good way of putting it it's like honestly you know when the show is bad we kind of we know enough about it to know why and when it's bad and like here's where they fucked up and here's this consistent issue they're having but like this i you know, no, we, this we, is, we, this we'll is, get into it. We'll, we'll get into this. Has it never happened to us before. I, I honestly, I think oh, and I've, I've watched a lot of TV. I can, I can say for, ge- I can genuinely say I have never, I have never been made to feel the way I felt. By it was revealed anything. that Nate's dad was Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! I can't do this. Um, I think the best way to sum up this show, uh, oh wait, no, because we can't, I'll get into it, Jesus Christ. It's like, it's like, it's clearly all we want to talk about. We have to save it. We Um, have to, I just, I mean, did anything interesting happen to you this week? Uh, did anything interesting happen to me this week? Uh, What else could happen? I know, I'm kind of like, I, 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 I don't know what else to say. Like, what, what? I don't, my life, my life is divided into, like, this is, like, B.C. and A.D. shit. Like, I don't know how to, oh before God. theme park and after theme park. Okay. Um, okay. We, we I, just I, have to go thing, into the episode. I think the best thing to do, I think the best opening bit we could probably do yeah. is, what is your most traumatic and upsetting theme park-related story? Oh, my God. Oh, no. Okay. Or funny one. It doesn't have to be, because I'm like, oh, I actually have some deeply traumatic ones. Let's not do those. Let's do some comedy. Um, it's not really traumatic, but you know, with like water parks, how they have the big slides that are like tubes. I was always afraid of getting stuck in one of those. Well, that's fair. Have I ever told you about the action park one? The, 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 uh, the loop, the loop slide. Well, here's the thing. I grew up near Rye Playland and kids just fucking die there. I mean, like, like not a huge number, but enough that when I was growing up, it was kind of like, uh, oh. Uh, it was spaghetti. Yeah, no, I can I could talk. I could this whole podcast could just be me talking about the tremendous fuck ups of Action Park, which is great because my dad actually went there um and was like, it wasn't that bad. I'm like, people died, dad. People That's like at he's least, gonna like, make it up to you already. But you know, like if it's like New Jersey fatalities, I think everyone's kind of like, well, whatever. But the, the the point of the matter is is they had a loop the loop water slide, and like when they were testing it with like a dummy the dummy came out without a head um and when they tried it with human people because they were like well surely it surely was just an issue with the dummy we can test this on human children and it'll probably go great they did get a kid stuck in like the top part of the slide because there wasn't force to push him down the rest of the way they had to like surgically remove him so oh I, what God. I'm saying is, is you're, you're not wrong to be paranoid it is a concern I mean I have a friend who's fucking terrified of ferris wheels and, like, as she was telling, and this was the year that fucking the Ferris wheel at Wildwood, like, crashed and burned. I was like, Wildwood is wild. I love, I've only been to Wildwood once because it's kind of like when you have so many, like, boardwalks near you, why drive all the way down to Wildwood? But, like, it is really lovely. Um, there were horseshoe crabs on the beach there. I was really excited about that. I, oh, God, this isn't necessarily theme park. This is a boardwalk, but, like, same thing. I was, this, this is, like, funny trauma, so I can tell this one. I don't know if you remember this, but they're like, there used to be like this Adams family based arcade machine that had like Okay, this now sh- I will tell you that I'm I'm quite bad at pinball because every time I play no, it, it, I do machine. tilt the I, machine. I don't know what the fuck it was. I genuinely don't know what it was. I, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But it was like at the front, it was the it was of course the arcade next to the fucking art ice cream place because like fuck you, child me. And like it was this fucking giant animatronic Uncle Fester that was like attached, like it was almost kind of like a fortune teller. I wish you could animatronic setup where he was like fused to the fucking machine. I don't know what Fester would have wanted. It it is, but it's like whenever it was one of those ones where it was like I guess it had motion sensors or something. So if you went near it, it would start like laughing wildly and flashing lights. And this was I was I was like hate that shit. I hate that shit. I have hated that shit my whole life. It is the worst fucking thing in the world. But I was also like four. So this was 
the scariest goddamn thing. Like I would, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't go near it. I wouldn't go near that arcade. I had to have an adult come with me. I would run to the other side of the boardwalk when we got to that part of like the boardwalk. I don't even know what the fuck the machine did or what the game was. I was just terrified of this like nightmare gremlin howling at me. And it still haunts me to this day, clearly. And I kind of, now that I'm older, I'm like, I kind of want to know, like, what, like, was it a pinball game or was it just this? I almost, I kind of remember it being like a test your strength thing, but I'm like, that can't be right. That wouldn't make any sense. But um, if any of our listeners happen to know anything about like weird arcade machines from the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, hit me up, I guess. What is this? Arcade Spirits, a great indie dating sim that I am currently playing. Available you on Steam. Further in it? I haven't yet because I want to stream it. Um, they 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 paid us nothing. I just really enjoy it. Oh, it's really good so far. I enjoy it too. And it's super. What what made me very happy about Pax East was seeing how inclusive dating sims are, or like people specifically setting out to make inclusive dating sims. Like people love visual novels. Go figure. I mean, on one level, the cynic so in me is like, well, Dream Daddy was such a runaway success, so of course they want to keep doing that shit. But I'm also like, no. I just, a lot of gay people like visual novels and dating sims. Um, there's probably a lot, there actually are probably a lot of really legitimate reasons as to why, but I also feel like this is somehow Ace Attorney's fault. Oh, Phoenix Wright loses his job in two days. That should have been our fucking opening bit. God damn it. What? According to the timeline in Ace Attorney, Phoenix Wright loses his job on April 19th, 2019. Oh my god, you're right! I always forget. It's one of my favorite things about the series is that it is technically like seven years in the future. Or it was when the series started, yes, but so now... Phoenix, like, Phoenix Wright loses his job on Friday. Very exciting. We're all very... I mean, and then and then it was... And then a bunch of stupid shenanigans start. But yeah, um, gays love visual novels and gays love Ace Attorney. Um, right, I don't know any straight... Let's the goddamn inevitable. Let's just go into the fucking episode. be totally honest with you i kind of forgot we were like doing an episode because i was just, i'm sorry i'm still that that fucking uncle fester thing like haunted <laughs> me there's like three things you know how i and i think about this because i'm the worst person but i'm like you know how like pennywise would always appear as like your worst childhood fear there's like three things that i think it would have showed up as and one of them is the that goddamn uncle fester machine and the second one is that weird confederate general ghost from scooby-doo meets the boo brothers that thing Gave you me... remember Large Marge? <gasps> oh yeah, no, I Traumatizing. do. Traumatizing. Traumatizing. No, that was horrible. I and I saw that when I was like eleven, so you thought it wouldn't have been traumatic, but like, no, I, 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 I. No, it... I've been a scaredy cat my whole life. I'm not. I mean, I, I'm really, I'm hit or miss. Um, but like, I play a lot of horror video games. I read a lot of horror novels. I watch a lot of horror movies. Um, but like at the same time, I am also a big. I don't. I don't like jump scares. I don't like stuff that's like deliberately like it, it 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 like genuinely I'm like I have an over exaggerated startle response in PTSD so you can't do that <laughs> that's not fair um I just okay listen okay. as you pointed out when Tolstoy would teach Anna Karenina he would start with the end which is that she throws herself in front of a train the entire novel is thus viewed through the lens of knowing Anna Karenina will kill herself and so you're kind of watching the last moments of this woman's life. And that completely changes the narrative yeah. and how you view it. Likewise, in this week's DC's Legends of Tomorrow, we find out that Hank was, <laughs> was kidnapping magical creatures because he wanted to build Nate a theme park. He wanted to build his adult son a theme park! And so everything that happened this episode must be viewed through the lens of knowing that Hank wanted to build his adult son. Everything that happened on this entire season has to be like this is this is our Anna Karnina moment. Like if we do a retrospective I... of the season, it's gonna have to start with and remember this whole stupid thing happened because Hank wanted to build a theme park for his large adult son who doesn't like theme like I wait, okay. So I, I mean I would even go so far as to say the entire series was leading up until this moment. That's fair. Everything else I, I think this is time. and like and here's the thing about um the adult theme park is that we're not mad we're not it's, upset it is it's, genuinely 
I don't. I, it feels weird to call it. The, it's nothing on television. I don't want to call it the greatest. But I will say that nothing on television, nothing in anything ever, I think, has ever made me feel quite the way that that felt. Like, and specifically because I remember as, like, Nate descends the stairs, I was like, wow, this is really, like, Twin Peaks. It was a very yeah, Twin there Peaks was a moment. real element of fear, and I thought he was going to turn on the video camera and watch his dad, like, I or, like, Neuron or some shit. But like, and yeah. when I say Twin Peaks, I also want to clarify. I mean very specifically that orangey kind of mood lighting, that descent into like a suburban gothic basement. It literally looks like a sequence from um, the episode where Dale saves Audrey from One Eye Jacks, and there's like a scene where he's like going into One Eye Jacks, and like the, the the hall is lit the same way. Like I had a very specific image in my mind when I when I thought, oh god, this is Twin Peaks shit. Now, but here's the thing. I think we David probably Lynch should have known it was going to go himself. off rails when, like, he has all these big file books and they just say dragons, offshore accounts, doing crimes, illegal <laughs> thing. Like, Warren question mark? Treason? God. The, the only. <laughs> what, were it to have been a sex tape of Nate's parents? Probably would have been for the best. I, I just. It is so out there. It's, it is it's so nonsensical. It spits I in the just, face I of wanna, trying to explain it. I want to walk through some of the some of the things that we we said that we felt as it happened. We we did come up with it, you know, Nate. We were sort of like at least Nate's dad never sold him for a hotel, but didn't he? <laughs> but didn't he a little bit? Here's the thing about here's the thing about Anna Karenia Hank Haywood, is that as as Phil has told interviewers and us the audience which is also not something i feel like should have been admitted maybe maybe i know i was like when that whole thing they were like we didn't know who the villain was gonna be i'm like okay can you just please stop admitting it's very much one of those moments where i'm like this is something that they didn't really decide which way it was going to go till the last minute because this could have been a real reveal like yes hank was a total bastard or it can be a hand wave that he's like not the real villain of the season and boy howdy did we fucking get a treat did that's we... the thing is I'm, I'm truly like one please stop advertising i mean we all know that you're not planning but you don't have to tell us like we can it is assumed but you look bad if you're acknowledging it that's like ari and i that's like me admitting that i i mean actually i can't think of the last time i did something not stupid i guess i'm growing up because like I don't well, when I fuck up I don't like I don't rent the goddamn Goodyear blimp to go good news everybody just fucked up on that I mean but, that's like, exactly people... the thing is like I, I feel like you and I very much prioritize the self preservation of not I like to think that that's a pretty common human instinct but not for Phil Clemmer maybe because he's not human let's this now, feels let, like something that back. someone suggested as a joke and they said we're out of time we have to come up with something we only have maybe another week to shoot this. So, or we, we don't have a week. We have like 15 minutes to shoot this. So let's go. We're using this idea. It feels like a joke that went too far. Like you remember, remember, remember when they, when the guy pitched warrior, which was just guy Gardner with like gun hands as a joke. Gun. And then they were like, no, sounds great. Make it. And he was like, I'm sorry. Like that's what that's this fine, feels like. This is the, this is legends. And that's the thing. We only want guy Gardner on legends. If he has the gun hands. Gun hands are so iconic, and in a way, so too is this. so good. And this is one of those things where I'm like, you know, everybody's always talking about how wacky Legends is, and like, I feel like this is the wackiest thing they've ever fucking done. But I feel like reviews of the show are always so like basic that it's like you're you are going you're missing the greatest thing that has ever happened on television. This is even better than them doing a shot-for-shot reenactment of the Simon and Simon opening credits, which is what I thought might happen. Yeah, honestly, we were starting to reach that point. I think it's hard to review this show if you're used to reviewing normal television, because normal television follows some kind of structure and some sort of, like, there's, there's, you feel like there's people who are trying to make, like, a lot of television can be very paint-by-the-numbers very repetitive, very derivative. You know, if something sells once, we're going to sell you the same goddamn thing in with like the serial numbers filed off. Like it's the reason we have 18 different fucking law and order and NCIS spinoffs. Um, 
Legends is a show that defies it, it, it's it's the fucking it's the fucking double down of TV shows. I don't I I like it's a t- fucking Tim and Eric fucking Neil style. Breen Neil Breen was just trying to build a goddamn theme park for his for his dead fucking for his wife. family for, for his family to die. <laughs> I can't. I just, cannot do this. I I you, cannot. And and, and, and it's one of a lot of episodes. And, and it's one of those things where like Nick is really. If I was if I was the director or the writer for this episode, I would be like, shoot the scene where you're really sad about your dad first. Because what because, we about yeah, to do no. is gonna blow your goddamn mind. Cannot you you I and I am I mean I actually wanna know if Nick Dano knew about the stupid if we ever see him, I genuinely wanna ask, did you know when you had to film the like the death scene because or the grieving scene? Because it's the sort of thing where, like, if he did, he deserves every single Emmy that you can give a human being. He, he, like, if you manage to act that sad with that information and that context, he might be the greatest living actor. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think I, I, I couldn't have done it for all the fucking money in the world. I couldn't have done I it. Literally, if- and like, and this is the thing is, I really went back to watch it because we. We're freaking out so fucking hard. Lipping our fucking minds. Because we got to watch it together, which was really nice. We, and, and it's one of those things where, like, just the... Um, it, it was beyond the pale of anything that has it ever was, happened to us in our lives. It was so good. It was... I, I felt alive. I, I truly understood I what modern... I, I, and, you know, I thought I understood modern art. I thought I understood... You know, the movement, I thought I understood how we got to certain, you know, artistic periods. But now I really do. I didn't understand art. I was I a fool and a nothing. coward. I was, I was, I was but a babe in the woods. And now I just, and compared to, I think the, the two things that we can compare to that just make it objectively funnier are one, Nate's, Nate's grandfather dying, which was sad in that generic, like, that generic kind of I have to do this to save the timeline way but then like Nick Zano again really good actor the way he broke down crying was like genuinely heartrending so and bad every time that was painful that hurt it was In like comparison, it was, it was, I tried watching again I was like maybe Vietnam if I, don't. <laughs> I was like maybe if I don't watch maybe if I just watch him crying and I don't watch the part before it where his dad announces that he was going to build him a fucking theme park Maybe I'll be able to appreciate Nick Zano's talents this time. And I could you know, not. I could I not. Have, I have to know if he knew. It. Because if he knew, then I appreciate his talents even more. Because you managed to, like, it wasn't the same kind of sobbing breakdown. But he was, he was giving it. He was, do, he was doing his best. And if he was doing it with theme park dad in mind, then holy shit. There's got, there's got to be other parts of this episode we can fucking talk about. Well, because, like, I mean, the one thing I do kind of want to talk about is I feel like I feel like the Jane Austen angle was underutilized. We talked about this yeah. before the episode aired where I was like, one of the big issues I'm having so far with, like, season 4B is that they're putting, like, like you could have done an entire episode just set in, like, the Edwardian era. You could have done an entire episode that was just Bollywood. You could have done an entire episode that was just the fucking Luchadori thing. I'm still not over that. But like the entire episode that was Hank's funeral. You could have done an entire episode dedicated to the video in which he announces. I can understand the funeral being a B plot, but it's the sort of thing where like this season right so far, this season half has been very much the A plot and the B plot are two wildly different time periods or concepts or themes. And so one of them always ends up feeling a little underpolished and underutilized because you can only do so much and they yeah. only have so much money. So I wish they had saved at least one of the concepts from this episode for another episode. And I'm I'm kind of like, you guys know you're going to get another season. This is the CW. You don't have to use all your ideas in one go. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. Because as you mentioned, when we were having a fucking breakdown, we didn't resolve the J. I mean, we sort of resolved it. They kind of wandered off with the fugitive. Yeah, like Mona. Mona was like, well, that's the thing is, the fugitive almost also felt like completely. 
the fugitive had very the fugitive tenuous... was here because okay. like especially because it's like making him an indian man and then putting him in like colonial england i was like that's something you could have done a really interesting comment well okay i'm sorry not legends another show could have made a very interesting commentary on given india yeah. and england's history but like if anything you know, maybe it's better it's than legends, legends did. but they didn't Let's, let's and it's actually... probably for the best. It's definitely for the best, actually. But it is kind of like, why did you like it? Just they they they're too discordant. There's no reason that that there's just no reason that this has to be happening. I could actually buy the Cope wanting to be a pro wrestler more because it's just like pro wrestling is very showy and very much like about like victory and failure and success and all these things that might make a king like really excited. But it was just a weird weird i, I the only i did really like that the that the what was his name the comedavas yeah i mean he, i don't character. know if he got a name i think they just kind of still called him well they Kamadeva. gave him a name he said my name is like i forget what it was but i really i and i feel bad number one he was really handsome but and two um when he said he gathered up comedavas ashes i immediately was like oh because you were in love with him because it just was so could've, that like, could have been a fun angle to play. I th- I thought that, and I thought that's what they were going for because it's legends and they're very gay. Yeah. So I I'm gonna assume that was the case that he was yeah. like Kamadeva's boyfriend, and then Kamadeva got burned up, and he's like, I'm gonna be the new Kamadeva, and I'm like, I don't think that's how Godhood works, but okay. It was and also very strange with his plot where he's like, Yeah, I have a thousand wives, and you're gonna be a thousand and one because number one, one thousand and one Arabian Nights. Fuck you, Phil, and fuck you. I'm also like, yeah, if he's a, that's not weird for a god to have this. I I feel like you kind of derailed the plot with like a, oh, but he has this that doesn't really like, cause yeah, of course you have to wrap it up. But I think just Zari being like, actually, I don't want to marry you would have been enough. There was this weird, and it was just one of those things where, especially in an episode that was very much like Polly's cool. Is like okay. I mean, I understand that having a thousand wives is a bit much. Um, if you're a coward, but but like it's, it's, <laughs> it's Al Ghul, 2019. Honestly, but it is the sort of thing where I was kind of like, you were doing a good job with establishing why Zari feels the way she does about romance. So having it be like this, having it be such an outlandish thing, and thus make her refusal based in like, you know no duh she's gonna react that way it kind of felt like a cop-out where it's like you 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 should have had a more natural reason for her to refuse but you know legends i mean as we know mona essentially got spiked first in the fucking buffy musical where he tells her that you know she has to live for the sake of living and that's the last time anyone saw spike speed um it's weird it never appeared in another episode it's that and and Joss Whedon actually died. This wasn't Joss Whedon was dead as they were filming this. He's been dead the it's whole like, time. Like, you, know, you know who made you know who made Minecraft? Hatsune Miku. Hatsune Miku made Minecraft. <laughs> yeah, it's so sad. Her name is Hatsune Miku. But like, uh, okay. I mean, and here's the thing. And I I'm gonna give Legends a lot of praise. I want everyone to hold on to their hats because this is never gonna happen again. Um. The fact that this episode was very much based in the idea of love and romantic love and then was very much like this team is super close and maybe their bonds are more intimate than just being platonic bonds was really appreciated. Yeah, no, they did a good job at handling that. Even just in like the non-horny scenes of the episode, like the little scene where like Ray, like Ray kisses Nate on the cheek. Like, and like Nate makes the face that he's like, yeah, like the face you make when you're doing that exchange with someone, like the cheek kiss, like to a relative or like a French person that you're doing business with. Yeah. And then and then they're both confused. And apparently Brandon, I think Brandon and Nick ad libbed it the first time and they were like, this is absolute gold. Keep it. Love but that. It, Which... I, I do love that. Like. And again, when I say these sorts of things, I, I am aware that a lot of people seem to think Nate is like boring or not unique. And I'm like, I get that he's a white guy. And like, no, you don't have to be up his ass. Like, not to be his number one fan, but there's genuinely something very nice about seeing someone who who looks like he was assigned Guido at birth, being like this super emotive and emotional guy who like kisses his dude's friends on the cheek. And is super in love with them and like really squishy about it. Like he's very wholesome and good. 
And like, and like yeah, of course, Brandon Routh is going to be wholesome and good. He's Superman. There's nothing else for him yeah. to do. But there's a lot of ways. And that's the thing is, like, I think there's a lot of ways Nate could have gone horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. That seeing him continually stay on the right track is like, that's my sweet little baby boy. He's the little, he's the little engine that could. And maybe oh, Nixie, like, no, all right. <laughs> Here's the other, and now, and now, and now comes the next part of this fucking podcast. There, this this episode is going to be divided into two parts: one adult theme part, two. Where does Nick Zano get off? Yeah, no, I think I think we could just really subtitle this entire goddamn podcast as "Where does Nick Zano get off?" <laughs> I have a question because you're like, this is what I would ask him if I if we ever meet him, and I'm like, here's my question for you: Where do you get off? Dare you? how dare you excuse here's my question for you what what is your problem man fuck is your damage like it's absolutely because before before this episode even aired before we knew what was going to happen to us and the way it was going to happen we um we saw this video so jess took a but Jess McCallan was shadowing the director for this episode, and that's like really cool and fun. But then she posted this video of Nick and Tala um, doing their love scene with puppets, which it's I'm great, like, the why has the has the fucking Citizen Steel costume? When was the last time we saw Nate in that costume? We lost it. Um, first and foremost. They, I mean, I guess those puppets cost enough money that we just kind of keep them around on set so we can convince ourselves we're going to do more with them. I mean, it would be cute. And two, so Nick Zano decides to wear this, like, you know, fucking, he's not, he's not filming. So of course he's just going to wear a shirt with no sleeves. Of course he's going to wear a shirt with no sleeves. Fuck him. You. Fuck. This has been so upsetting to me. And I've had to see, and, and it's just like, and then I realized, like, if DJ Katrona is going to be in Shazam, and he's going to be um, Pedro, which again, DJ Katrona is a white man, so it. don't love that. I don't know what other Italian-American needs to hear this today, but you are white. We are white. I'm I sorry. Cannot, I cannot fucking, but then I'm like, you know, if, if, because, you know, DC TV actors will sometimes do promos for the movies, and if Legends goes on long enough. And fucking, you know, we're going to get more Shazam films. We're going to get more. I heard that they're the, the actors for Shazam, like the adult ones, did sign a contract for a certain number of movies. So you know there's going to be another Justice League. You know there's going to be another. The convergence is upon us. I know they know each other. Mm-hmm. I know they have mutual friends. Singularity. The singularity. Singularity. But the Fast second... If I'm just, I'm just, I, the mere idea of it, the mere thought of they're them gonna, being in they're a gonna room fucking, together. They're going to touch hands and we're going to instrumentality, man. We're all going to fucking liquefy. Like, that's it. We're just, we're all just Tang floating in space. We're going to fucking wake up in the Powerpuff Girls universe. <laughs> we're just naming, like, <laughs> we're just, we're just making references to things, to the, to worlds <laughs> entering in different ways. <laughs> I need so much. I need everyone listening to this to understand that the only reason that you think we're funny is because you don't know what we're referencing half the time. References aren't funny. No, (laughs) I just hate this. God damn it! I, I, I just, I, I, I just. Okay, this fuck this episode. I mean, here's the here's another thing I did really like about this episode. Was like the way that like all of the women were very playfully horny. Like, and I say this in a very genuine sense where I'm like, sexuality of non male people in general, but like on TV especially, is very, it's made it to be like a joke in every single way, shape, or form. Like, there, I, I, I literally, I'm too fucking tired to go into all the different ways that like the female gaze is just sort of marginalized and demeaned. Essentially, Phil looked at the ladies this episode and said, gang, what if sex in the city was good? Yeah. And, like, (laughs) there's something bold bold of him to assume there were not still iconic moments, like when Charlotte has Kyle McLaughlin get circumcised and then he breaks up with her because he lets Miranda says, I'm gonna single-handedly fix (laughs) the the MTA. No. So so she tells tells Kyle McLaughlin to get circumcised, and he does. 
And then he's like, I actually am going to break off with you because I like this new dick so much that I have to, he says, I have to take the dog out for a walk. Ari? Does Kyle McLaughlin keep doing these weird horny roles? He knows why. He knows I'm why. Also like, we hey, know why. Listen, awfully fucking bold of you to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you're, you're in showgirls, asshole. And then he was like, oh, I can't be in love with Audrey and Twin Peaks. That's too problematic. Like, fuck off, Kyle. That's because like, he was in love with Laura Palmer. Which is somehow more upsetting. Like, Kyle, like, stop it. Like, but- like can a man love, speaking of which, I'm not sure if you saw, let let me just divert the road real quick, because then I have to divert it back into yelling at people. Um, There are photos that were released for two, so we're usually, the episode airs and we get photos for like two weeks from now. So we have Zari holding the golden egg that contains her wife, um, Helen. Please do not scramble, poach, fry, hard boil, croque monsieur, croque madame. Flambe, Odinfle, raw protein shake. Do not, do not, John. <laughs> do not just, eat my egg wife. Also, I just, it's so, because now I just keep thinking about, I'm sure Helen is a very nice egg. Thank you. I'm sure egg is a very nice Helen, but Helen of Troy is such the opposite of what Anne is that it's just so funny. It's, it's honestly more comedic because of it. Okay. There are photos of Charlie wearing this kind of like fun businesswoman-y meets sporty spice outfit. And I'm like, that's a weird look for her to have. And then someone was like, she's probably pretending to be Rebecca Silver. And I'm like, Phil, Phil, for me, for me. Oh, gee. Like <laughs> he and he really and, and Dominic Purcell really did say, listen, Ramona's a great actress. But Mona and Ramona are very young, so if you could get her off Mick, and Phil said, that's totally fine. Maisie, get back on in here. And then he and Maisie high-fived. Maisie, incidentally, was currently, she was, she was mid-having consensual sex with Nick Zano's wife, because as it says in her contract, if Nick Zano gets to make out with Zari, Maisie, Maisie gets his wife. Which is a weird contract. Legally, it's I don't weird. think it's weird that they had that contingency before Zari was even a character on the show. And it's weird. It's weird. What's really weird is that his wife is like, no, I signed that. No, keep it. I just like, please, I'm so glad it's, it's Dominic and Maisie doing this. Because they really are one of my favorite duos. Oh, good. I'm so excited. Especially because like Amaya and Mick's dynamic is so different from Charlie and Mick's dynamic. So I am really excited to see where that's going to lead. Well, this um, is, that's also the episode where we see Zari and Nate hanging out in some, like, old bar, but they have the um, Captain Jiwei rum, where I'm like, if people don't talk about Amaya this episode, I'm going to throw a trash can out the window. No, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to be so upset. Okay, so also back to the show real quick. Let's just snap back like a goddamn rubber band, a damnsition, if you will. Fuck. When they were, when Zari says we're not passing the Bechdel test. Was it clever? Yes. Did we both immediately say fuck you to the TV? Like it, wasn't, it was just like, it was a reflexive fuck you. Like, it was an I get it. You also went to college. Fuck off. Well, because the Bechdel test is specifically about lesbianism. Yeah. And one of those nuances I, that kind of gets lost. But I think Legends actually kind of understood it enough because Sarah was the one saying it and Sarah is a sapphic character. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, wow, you actually kind of did this correctly. Especially because this was an episode that was so much about female sexuality that making yep. a joke about the Bechdel test and like is like really good. <sighs> I think the other thing I liked about like this because this was this was like a this was this was a very horny episode in like a very weirdly chaste TV way where like TV horny is very different from like even movie it horny. Was really, it was horny, but it was gentle. Yes, it was horny, like but kind. It was horny, but not in a way where you ever feel like someone's being leered at. Or yeah, like skeezy, exactly. Like and it's the, the difference between like, oh god, it's the difference between like when it's the difference between like an anime body pillow and like I think of like a nice version of like an anime um and like a dating sim thing. I guess I I you know like are you saying th- it's the difference between hentai and a dating sim? Probably, but like it's the sort of thing where like. Phil, you know, you have, this have is you not just this whenever, is not a prompt to do a hentai episode. 
No, I, 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 the I fact will, that I've said I those words out loud, I, I want to take I them will. back. I don't know how to say them. I'll backwards. do it. I'll I will do. learn. I'm driving. I'll kill us both. <laughs> but like, I, it is I, the I, I thing go. where like, there's it, it's the difference between like porn, like written porn, and like most fanfic porn, where like you know a lot of the stuff in fanfic is unassailably fucking horny. But at the same time, there's a sort of tenderness and fondness there. And the person writing it, like, cares about what's going Sometimes on. Sometimes when you read erotica, you're like, wow, this person fucking hates women so much. So much. It's but like it, fanfic, it you, because it's like you're reading this because you like this character. So, of course, you're going to treat her well. And, like, treat her well, I guess, is subjective. But there is a difference, I think. There is a difference. There is a. There's absolutely. Because well, I do want to mention. Um, her name is. I think. Okay, her name. It's. Gr- I think it's pronounced Granny, or because it sounds so much like Granny Goodness, who's one of my favorite DC villains. That I'm like, of course I love you. But yeah. she is one of the producers, and she also wrote this episode. Um, and she also wrote Turncoat, which is when Nate loses his virginity to Amaya. And I think one of her things that she does which I very much appreciate as a bisexual nightmare. And I'm going to get her name correct right now. Granny Godfrey. Like, do I mean, she honestly kind of just sounds like she's Granny Goodness's like second weird alter ego. Yeah. Which like good for you, honestly. But no, like, cause you're right. The second, cause I, I forgot that Nate losing his virginity was the part of the turncoat episode because so much else so happened. So yeah, much good that's, stuff happened. That's and same like, vibe in that sex scene. Because she really, I think one of the stamps she sort of puts on these romances and on these sex scenes is like, it's very sweet, it's very emotional, but like, here's the guy being very cheesecakey. Yeah. And like, I'm not saying that Nora and Amaya were not also, like, Amaya basically put his face in like her boobs. But it is the sort of thing where, yeah, there is this focus, especially on like these big beefcake dudes being like, hey, this is cool with you, right? Like, and being is not, and like, there is something important about the fact that it is Ray and Nate who are built like brick shit houses, being like, hey, it's cool if I do this, right? You want me to touch you? Like, you want to have this happen? Because, like, yeah, they're massive. They're, they could be a threat if they weren't Ray and Nate. And there is something important about the fact that it's the two beefcake dudes who are being sort of written as very gentle, um, reactive characters in sex scenes where it's like they're not like on top of these female characters and like demanding and taking and grabbing and being physically overpowering they're being very can often be portrayed as sexy yes and there is especially with guys like that yes it was a deliberate choice to make them both not that way and there is a reason behind it and it is, I mean, it's just, it's so, and it is very romance novel. And you can, it's, I say it's romance novel also because it depends so heavily on the female gaze. Yeah. Where, you know, people often point out that, you know, romance novels are sort of written that they're written for um, women. They're written sort of by women for women. And so they have this attitude to them that, like, you know, people make fun of romance novels for being this and that. But it's like, no, this is just something that appeals to, like, why aren't we making fun of, most pornography for being super fucking violent like why is this what gets made fun of because it's 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 easier to poke fun at things that i think bear their heart on their sleeve and are very Mm. clearly emotive and this isn't a justification the people who do this are still really shitty or participating in shitty behavior but at the same time it's also much easier to sort of laugh at something that's being so openly vulnerable because otherwise you would have to confront something uncomfortable um but i do think there's a specific sort of devaluing to romance that becomes like there's there's something really good about like romantic or even just emotional connections between characters and when that can be expressed well through erotic content um that's literally the whole fucking reason anyone writes fanfic there's i I also think the the thing is additionally like mick is the romantic writer he's he's the one who's writing garima and like when we met garima she was pretty it was sort of the same attitude that like she was very much on top of him and he was like yes like i want this alien queen to do what she wants to me and it's very interesting that like 
I mean, am I always going to be bitter because Dax and Stargirl didn't get more of a plot? Yes, of course, forever. And I think there's something to be said, like, hey, why didn't Jack get a lot, like, any romantic subplot like Ray and Nate do? Um, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I will always, you know, be kind of bit. I could have been Jax's love interest. I'm right here. It's one of those things where, like, I, 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 sorry, I was just thinking about how much I miss Jax and I kind of lost my train of thought. That's fair. Well, I mean, the other thing is that, you know, sometimes something like Fifty Shades comes out and gets really popular. And yeah, that can be like, it's, problematic and i think we have i think there's a lot of very complex discussions that need to be talked about in terms of erotic content and problematic parts of that erotic content and this is not the time that we are going to do this don't have time although we we literally don't have time but so like 50 shades it's just poorly written and so then everybody sort of starts harping on romance novels like it's all garbage like this and i'm and again it's that double standard that just pisses me off so much. Oh, it's the fucking worst. I mean, it, it just, it's the sort of thing where, like, it wouldn't, if, if more, if men wrote, like, men do write romance. It's terrible. When yeah, men, they're so n- fucking proud of on it. On a general, like, general statement, when men write romance, it is an afterthought. It's terrible. It's poorly handled. It's so non-essential to these characters narratives whenever it comes up that you're just like who gives a fuck because it's it's dumb and it's bad and you it's clearly there as like a part of a checklist thing like whenever i read shit men write and there's like a love interest i'm just like you don't even know what you you don't know how like have you ever loved a human being in your life have you ever met a human woman like men are terrible at writing romance so not, I, I do want to, I, I hate to say not all men. Oh, I mean, I should say that not. But like, there, there's also, we're, we're not really talking about like gay men. No, oh yeah. Let me, when I say, Lena, I'm sorry. You're right. That's actually an important thing to clarify. I am talking really specifically about like cis dudes, white dudes, hetero dudes who write like a large portion of the media that we consume in one way or another, um, whether we like it or not. And that, and that I think is a very important point to be made is like, these are the men that are literally writing these shows and essentially forcing this content on it. And it can be violent and it can be homophobic and it can be misogynistic. And if we're lucky, it's all three at once. Yay. Yay. But it is the sort of thing where it's like, you guys are really bad at it. And so then you turn around and you make fun of people who are really good at it because you, the idea of being good at it isn't like important to them. Like, they don't have to be good at writing romance. They mm-hmm. can make fun of the people who are good at it because they've decided that it's not important. Because Exactly, because they're like, this has real plot, whereas romance is just, like, silly. I mean, and that's the thing. is like, wish fulfillment and sex, if you want to, like, look at, like, James Bond comparatively versus sort of the wish fulfillment that we're seeing on, like, Legends. One of the key things I noticed because I, I did the gift set of um brandon and courtney showing all and that's the other thing is that brandon and courtney are married and so there's very much a decided sweetness and gentleness to their relationship by virtue of like irl that marriage comes from having a respect and a love for the person that you're doing the scene with we're so happy and really fond of the fact that sort of he is like there and he's very big but he says, is this okay? And she says, yes. Like, it's, and, and it's the thing where, like, you know, he, he gives her one kiss. And then, even though she, like, clearly said, yes, I want you in bed. He gives her a kiss. And then he says, okay, can I go further? And, like, knowing that that was actually Nora's, like, fantasy. And that she sees Ray as someone who respects her like that. And I know a lot of people have said, you know, there are certain shows where they do, like, plot lines about consent and they make it really unsexy and like no consent does not have to be sexy it's fucking vital the fact that people were really happy that this was done in such an organic way and i do want to give real kudos to brandon and courtney for that because sort of as a married couple they're choosing their the public perception of them And they're sort of standing together on that and like brandon is very much saying like i love and respect my wife which is just really important. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be the shocking, but like, here we are, it is, and he's great. And so is she. And again, I'm not saying like, you know, sexism is over, 
um, it, they solved the whole thing, but it it we did it. It lads. was very good and very satisfying. And yeah, it was really like when people say, "Oh, consent is sexy," because I've always taken a little bit of issue with that because no, consent is not sexy. It's fucking vital. It is necessary. But it's necessary, they, but there's a way that it can be handled where it's like romantic. And and like they you can have that note really find perfectly. It. Yeah. Like it, it's necessary, but it can also be when you're talking about it being written out or in like a in like a form of media, there are ways yeah. to make it appealing and rather than just sort of a back and forth between your characters, like you're checking off a list. In real exactly. life, you gotta do that anyway. But like when you're watching something on TV, you you, you want you still want to gussy it up a little. I also want to bring up, and this is something that you know. I wish this. Sh- I mean, the, the t- uh, take a take a shot every time I say I wish Legends had brought X Y Z up, um, and then die of alcohol poisoning. But I mean, it's there's something I, I've noticed very interesting too. when we talk about the fact that this episode is so much about like women's what women want from their romantic partners. And the fact that Jane Austen was there that the show didn't really seem to have enough time to touch on. But like comparing comparing the romantic fantasy of something like James Bond, you know, as you brought up before, versus Jane Austen is like Jane Austen's books are about women finding men wanting and men having to improve to make themselves worthy of women, generally speaking. Um, you know, the women obviously have to change and grow as people in the course of the book because that's what a novel is but at the same time that is fiction baby yeah but at the same time the male love interests in all of austin's novels are very much like i'm gonna listen to what this woman wants of me i'm gonna do the things she asks me to do i'm going to become a better person on her behalf and i'm going to become a man that's like worthy of her love and affection then i'm going to give it back in return and that is something like compared to i think a lot of like cishet white male romance stuff where it's like the women are just sort of they don't ask the male character to do anything they just are there to be taken and there's you know and there's really there's no emphasis on what they want or what the male character might be able to do for them and it's more about what he can do to them and that is a very big difference in, you know, who gets a say and how the romance goes and how it's portrayed and written out that, you know, this episode did, but like didn't remark on why it might be important that Jane Austen was also here while all this was happening because it's legend. I mean, I think it's sort of supposed to be like, I think you can connect the dots and be like, this is about romance from the female gaze. And Jane Austen is important in that sense. I mean, you I mean could, it, yeah, because they could have picked like any like fucking old timey writer. But at the same time, it's like, no, you have to go a step further because they did the whole bullshit about like love is about like marrying for love. And that's important and stuff. And it's like, yes, it is. But it's also like you could have been a, rather than just like some bullshit marry for love. Like, yeah, we fucking get it. This isn't like you don't have to tell me the moral of this doesn't have to be marry for love. It's not 1585. Like, I get it. So imagine being old. Imagine living to be old enough to get married at 1585. Can't re- that can't be me. No, can't be me. But like, it's the sort of thing where like you could have had rather than that be the moral. Had the moral be like it's important to think about what you want. As like if Jane Austen had said to, to Mona, you need to think about what you want from a man in a relationship or a woman in a relationship or whatever. That would have been. I kept thinking I, Mona and Jane Austen were going to make out, and I'm pretty sad that they didn't. I'm really sad that they didn't. I think Emily Dickens is a, les- a lesbian. Like, that's what this episode was. But, <laughs> fuck, Emily Dickinson was definitely a lesbian. But that's not... I mean, I, the water is wet. Yeah, no. Um, the, the uh, like, I, I kind of wish they'd made it a little more explicit, because it's one of those things where it's like, the ideas are all there. They're like, it's like a bunch of balloons all sort of floating around in the same area untethered. Like you've got to tie those balloons down to something, dude. You can't just have all the balloons in the same room. doesn't work like that. You know, if I had to describe Legends of Tomorrow, it would actually, I mean, I I do enjoy this show and it's been very, since it came back, like we, the 409 was a little shaky. Things ever going to make you feel like the theme park. (laughs) 
think really I enjoyed last week. This week absolutely fucking changed my life forever, and I will never be the same. Whether that's good or bad has yet to be Please, seen. The last, the uh, the last, last TV episode of our lives, because I don't think there's anywhere it can go but down from hill from here. I mean, I how did I? I can't reference the thing you know I want to reference. I know I heard you stumble over it, and I'm just like, oh no, <laughs> this is another video killed the radio star bit. Fuck. Oh no, fuck you! Okay. Don't bring that up again. I hate. <laughs> oh my god, we're going, we're it's going still to... nonsensical. No, but I know it's fine. And then we just, and then we just end the pod. It's one of those things where, like, literally, Ari was just yelling after the Nate's dad thing was revealed. Ari was just yelling, "I'm quitting the blog." Uh Which is, which incidentally, I'm quitting the blog is a reference to something else. (laughs) I knew it was a. I was like almost positive it was a. It is a reference. It's just like, hey. I don't know how else to respond. Like you've broken me down to my basic. Essentials. I mean, and that, and that. I love the, I love the Abed of that. I mean, there's nothing to me that I relate to more than Abed just being like, I need help reacting to something. Uh huh. This whole, you know what, you know what, we've been beating around the bush a lot. This was Abed reacting to Nicolas Cage is very much us reacting to the theme park. It truly. Oh my God, that's it. Like that's really it. Like that's that, that's that's literally because his professor people. just says, "Abed, be careful." This is the Nick Cage of TV shows. Like I, I kind of hate him? it, but yeah, it really is. Can we can we guys come on? Can we get him? Yeah, no, we've got to be able to afford Nicolas Cage. I was actually thinking a little while ago. I'm like, we could probably get Kyle McLaughlin on the show. I I think we could afford Kyle. We have we have McLaughlin money, probably. I mean, it's one of those things where Phil was talking about. How David Hasselhoff personally singing brought down the Berlin Wall, and I was like, "Fuck!" And I was like, "I know can... there is actually historical precedent for that." David Hasselhoff has like a huge following in Germany, but it, it, I'm like, "Can we get Hasselhoff? Can we? I think we can at least afford David Hasselhoff. We can definitely afford David Hasselhoff." But it's the sort of thing where I'm like, "This fucking show, oh. this fucking show. Nothing would surprise like the, I. I don't. I don't think. I don't think anything this show throws at me can surprise me anymore." But like I also thought that before the theme park thing, so like who fucking knows at this point? I look forward. I really to thought seeing... I was. I thought I, I was really unfuck. Thought I, was I thought I was unfuckable. Yeah. No. But it turns I, out I am in fact very. I am in fact very very fuckable, and I got fucked. Got fucked, man. Like I just. Um. I... Let me also just talk about some more things about the sex. Let me talk more about everybody having sex dreams. Number one, Gideon could have closed the vents at any point in time. Any point. We know Gideon can see dreams. She was so. I hate to be that person, but how the fuck can Gideon see dreams? Like, are they? They're not all like. That was the weird one. You can. I was listening to the goddamn flop house, and one of them, they were talking about something, and one of them just yells, "Ignore me!" And I'm like, "A fucking course, you guys watch that?" Huh? Fuck you. I mean, it's just. It it it, truly the Venture Brothers. When you were like the only other show, I mean, I was literally thinking when you were like, I can't think of anyone else who would do something this out there. I was literally like, this episode was very Escape from the House of Mummies Part yeah. 2, but in a really tight way. And that's the thing, is Escape from the House of Mummies Part 2 is so tight. So good. But I do think, it's got that vibe, but it's also like, I, I, I almost I expect the Venture Brothers to be clever. When the show is yeah. clever, it stuns me. Nick Dano <sighs> going for Tala's neck and then going right behind the ear. I was like, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse excuse bitch i am five years old i am 10 years old and what is this like i i and that's and that's also one of those things where i'm like i really don't understand how people can be concerned about shipping after this episode when like charlie literally spent an entire episode making fun of zari about having sex it was so fucking cute it was really cute and also like and also in this episode literally nate and ray told each other they love each other yeah no like i'm like guys Please. The fact that Ray is like, no, I can't believe Nora would do this. I'm so sorry. And Nate's like, I, Nate, Nate smugly. Like, of course, Nate's not going to be mad at you. He's never been more smug in his life. Not only is his dad dead, but also Nora, <laughs> you don't like Nora anymore? He could Nora not have wished for a better scenario. Yeah, no, he's, he's so, he's so fucking ready. I also have to, speaking of that, that reminded me, the, the other point in this episode where it made me genuinely laugh and when Nora was like, I didn't do it, and Ray's immediate rush, oh, thank God, was really, 
really funny because it's like I love when Ray is genuinely innocent and pure, but I do also really love when they like play his need to trust in and believe in. Like playing it for comedy is rare, but it was really funny and it was really good. Um, I also, also I, I hope you remember. That, like, remember when we made the joke? Well, you made the joke that it was going to be like that fucking like Chevy Chase funeral scene, and it and was, then, and, it and then that actually happened. <laughs> it, it turns out you couldn't see it, but off screen. John Constantine was holding uh, Nate's dad's ivory wig piece. It was one of those things, I mean, Nate, this whole thing, and again, we have to consider the animal, the magical creature theme park, which, as somebody pointed out to me, it's just so, you know, it's still fairly morally repugnant. It's like, also with Nate's dad and who Nate's dad was, it's like if Karl Rove told us that they invaded Iraq to build an animal theme park. Oh god. Like it just like it is so I mean like is it is it silly? Is it the greatest thing? Yes. And it's fiction so I can make that separation. But like no, Nate's dad I think was probably high key a war criminal. For sure. But it is it is like legitimately one of those things where I'm like no, you're because like having having you can't like you're not an accredited zoo. You can't just have and and you, and I just how stupid I, this motherfucker, I mean, I understand that, like, you know, the gov- being the government, but, like, this doesn't necessarily mean you're smart, but, like, this, you, top, you were a, in a position of power for, for, you, and you just, and you and, just and believe. And, like, if they were, and it's one of those where it's, like, you obviously, when you had that scene with Konani getting tased and thrown into a goddamn van, you were obviously not, like, this is for a theme park. Yeah. Like, <sighs> or when his dad was on the phone, like, they can be controlled. Let's do it. This was not for a theme park. No, there's no way. And it's just like, why are you doing this? Why is this happening to me? Why? Why would you do this? Like, I just, I just, I just. All those things were like, yes. And and, and I think we've said this before. Like, I'm very aware that like, Kato is also a producer. And that Grainy also like, wrote this episode, this is her vision, and that these people all have, like, a hand in making this epi- these episodes, like, good. Phil is just sort of the public figure that we express all like, our when frustrations people, when with. People, like, when people would make jokes about Nintendo, they used to make jokes about Reggie. Because, Reggie? Like, no. I mean, he's, he is. He's Reggie, he's Todd Howard, he is Doug he's Bowser. The, the Pete Wentz of this fucking show. Phil, this is the only time in your life you're going to get that comparison, so savor it. Yeah, no, you better fucking enjoy that, because that is not happening again, let me fucking tell you. I just cannot. Hello? Hello? And it's just like his mom telling this story, like, your dad actually, really, he loved you. Where I'm like, I mean, that's his wife versus his son, and I don't think that's really super fair, but then also where you went with it is so absolutely wild that I'm kind of like, who cares? Who gives a fuck? It doesn't matter. I allow, I I accept, I accept chaos is really what I'm at now. It really is. I accept fucking chaos. Like I just, you have to remember last week when Ray said that he looks in the darkness and he wonders if it's becoming him. He was trying to fucking warn us and he wasn't fast enough. Oh God. I mean, and now that we've gone full circle, um, let's go back to talking about just how fucking ridiculous this adult theme park is. Nate has never mentioned in his fucking life, in any part of his character, that he want that he cares about theme parks. It hasn't been a thing that we've known. That was also like the thing about the hospital, where it's like, and we had to take him to the hospital because he has hemophilia, Rachel and Ari. I mean, actually, no. The thing that felt like the most, here's, here's this for you, you freaks, truly was the goddamn theme park. That felt, I, I don't know if Phil did this for us personally. It feels like a gift. It feels like a gift from God. I cannot, I cannot fucking stand it. I, I oh my God, I wish I was, I wish I was dead. I, I, uh, it, it shouldn't have been the adult theme park that died. It should have been me. One, the fact that he's like, my son my son when he was nine wanted a theme park with dragons and unicorns and i'm like yeah playland has a dragon coaster have people died on it yes but 
Here's the thing about people dying at Playland, if we really want to bring it all the way around, is they do die. And, like, and is it a fault in the machinery that they can wiggle out of, like, the, you know, the thing that's in your lap? I mean, eh. prob- probably. I mean, it's not not a fault, but it's also, like, it wasn't, it's not like you can do it super easily. Like, you know that thing that, oh, actually, I've just, I've just recalled, I've just pulled something from my memory bank. You Boy. know those rides, it goes, it's like a boat, and it goes back and forth, and it goes upside down? Huh? I went to a carnival with my um, best friend of me, and her aunt and uncle, and I think we were in, like, the seventh or eighth grade, and we get on that ride, and first of all, now that I'm an adult, let me just say, never get on rides at a carnival. Do not do it. They, they have a whole plot in carnival because the fucking Ferris wheel breaks and someone dies. Yep. And like, this is, this is, <laughs> and I don't, and there have been no improvements in the modern age. No, none. Uh, don't fucking get on rise. So it's one of those things where like, I buckle in and I'm, and her seatbelt doesn't work. And like, we're too high up for them to stop the ride. So she had to like rush and find another seat before it started going upside down. Yeah. Anyway, that's the theme park Hank Haywood was going to build. Yeah. That 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 doesn't like something he would build for a son, yeah. It just, you know, you know dad, you were a shitty dad and you wanted to build a shitty theme park. Fuck you. <laughs> Stay dead. Stay dead, old man. Oh, they put Nate's dad inside his daddy and that's immoral and illegal and you're going to hell. And I really thought that that meant the episode was going to go in like a dark and weird direction. It went it went it went <laughs> As far opposite that as I think you can get. Kind of impressive. I mean, I think we should probably start rounding it out. Um, I can't even remember. Oh, right. Next week is the Ava Ikea episode um, where Sarah has to rescue Ava. Remind me, we got to get that Barbie book. Yeah, Ava has to, Sarah has to rescue Ava from when they say first blood over the Ikea speakers. Um, Weirdly enough, apparently this was like they had all the women um who who work on the show do this but they did an arrow episode where black siren actually does get fully redeemed and she's black canary in the future and felicity's love and faith in her is what makes her a good person and like she has a heart to heart with sarah and she even has a heart to heart with dinah drake and i'm never going to watch arrow because as long as oliver queen is their protagonist um i refuse on moral grounds but he's dying, and knowing that Arrow essentially had to bend the knee at the end to Dinah Laurel Lance as the Black Canary, like so good. That's what satisfied me. I just wanted to make just wanted to make note that Arrow had to fucking lay down, and like, is it Earth One Laurel? No, but they essentially basically just tried to be like, no, it's Laurel, it's Laurel, we promise. And like the fact that they had to fucking scramble. And the disrespect they even showed her last season versus how, I mean, like, Beth really fucking pulled through. Eh. And knowing that Mark and Wendy, who spent so long trying to make this character look so negative, basically, like, knowing they lose is so good. So satisfying. Maybe, maybe, Mark, maybe if Mark Guggenheim tried to build a theme park, he'd do better. Mark Guggenheim's theme park, if you go into Mark Guggenheim's theme park as a woman, you probably die on Definitely contact. Die, yeah. Anyway, God bless, God bless Emily Bett Records. God bless her. Love and keep uh, her every goddamn day. Um, and I guess God, because the last he said that the theme park was going to be called Hay World, and the last episode of this season is called Hay World, and I'm like, oh, n- I'm gonna, oh. I'm gonna kill myself. Oh yeah. I just the I I know I'm not ready. I know whatever happens is not going to be able to save me um i i'm not even gonna bother trying to predict it i'm just gonna sort of i'm just gonna die i'm just gonna lay down and i'm just gonna let it happen i accept chaos thank and and honestly phil thank you for really i mean granny also i i think that's how he pronounced it i i really hope that's correct and it's not i i apologize a thousand times you are so good um thank you thank you we owe you we owe you. You have saved our lives. Because we are totally grateful. You have given us. You know, and you know what this is at the end. This is when Rick Perry forgot the branches of government <laughs> during the Shit. 2012 Republican primary, 
And Jon Stewart was like, you know, you spend all day mining for little comedy nuggets. And then something like this comes along and it's all worth it. Your laugh. All worth it. And that was, and, and this was, it's all worth it. It has all been worth it for this moment. Whole thing. This whole adventure has been worth it. I am so glad I got to watch this episode with you in person so we could have a screaming breakdown about it later. Later, as it, we just as it happened, the, like, but also later and still a little bit now. And we're never going to be over it. Oh, never. It's going to okay. always, I'm going to go to my deathbed. Like, yeah, fucking wild. <laughs> it truly is up there with Dan. I mean, I think it really does actually top Dan being Gossip Girl. I think it really does. That was, that was like stupid. And that was insulting. This wasn't, this wasn't, ins- this was just, ins- this was just. Absolute insanity. Yeah, this was, this was, I, this is really the closest that television has ever gotten to a manic episode. This is, this is, I, I honestly did not understand postmodernism until this week. And here we are. Okay. Well, see you next note, week. See you next week. I, first blood. First Good blood, night. everybody. Good night.